0: Talk about the, uh, we want to talk about the Urim V'tumim. The Urim V'tumim. Now, it is not true that the Urim V'tumim were invented by Yale University. <laughs> this is not the okay. case. But Urim V'tumim were actually one of the things that the Kohen Do went around with when he put on all the big day kahuna, the fancy big Right, the fancy Bigde Kuruna is what he wore all year long. Whereas Kipurin, and they had eight Bigadim. There were eight pieces. What? Yeah, eight different things that he wore. And uh Anyova he wore Big Day Lavan, the white uh, clothes, of which there are only four four parts. But in the parish of Pikudai in the Parish Pekudei, there's a very, uh, again, a description of, uh, of the begadim that were made for the Kohen Gadol, including, including the fact that uh, he also, um, well, it doesn't include it here, but in a it includes the fact that there were Uri and So if you look at the first source on the page, Shmot Perikav Chet it says this. Now, the Khoshen translated generally as a breastplate. He wore a he hung it around his neck somehow, right? It was connected with hooks, and, and there were 12 stones in the breastplate, each stone representing one of the tribes. Right? So the Khoshen. The choshen was put on top of the eifod. The eifod was a kind of, well, it's not clear how he wore it, whether he wore it, it was like an apron. He wore it from back to front and tied in the front, or he wore it front to back and tied in the back, right, which is the way people wear aprons, some this way, some that way. And so there was an eifod, on top of the eifod was a choshen. And that Choshen had 12 stones in it. The Torah, the Pazukah, the Torah says, Choshen Mishpat. Now what the Choshen has to do with the Mishpat is really unclear unless you kind of fix it up a little bit. And we'll see that in a minute. You you, you understand the question? Mm -hmm. Choshen has nothing to do with Mishpat. Mishpat is judgment, to judge to finish something, to make something, to have it done, all of that could be kind of consumed under the notion of Mishpat. But Chosheh there's no Mishpat, There's just a breastplate, and there are twelve stones in that breastplate. Those twelve stones are enumerated in the um, in the Torah. Their names are listed in the Torah. So listen again. He says, At Shemot Yisrael B'chosheh and Mishpat, Alibo, okay, I mean, somebody told me once that the heart is really in the middle. Is that true? <laughs> Not nice yeah. yeah. so, yeah, so, so you could say that, so the Torah is right. Great. Alibo, bivou, oh, hela kodesh. means to the Beit HaMikdash, when it comes to the Beit HaMikdash. Lezikaron. Alright, that's a hard word. That's a hard word. There are a lot of people who try to understand what does zikaron After all, memory is a human quality; it's not a divine quality. God doesn't remember, and God doesn't forget, right? So, whenever the word zikaron or zikron appears in the Torah, it's worth looking into. What could it possibly mean? Zikaron, they Hashem tamid. Alright, right, we've talked about the word Hamid. I don't want to go into that again, but this red slate is Zikaron Yutnei Hashem Hamid, that the twelve tribes, I guess the Zikaron has something to do with the twelve tribes, which uh, uh, the Kohen Gadol represents. Right? He represents the twelve tribes before HaKodosh Boko, so somehow this creates memory, Right? The Zikaron, this is... This is something worthy, right? But may Hashem come in, again, it sounds like two different things, that there are Urim and there are Tumim. But that's not the way Chazal understood it. Chazal understood, as Rashi will say, Chazal said the Urim and Tumim are, they're not Urim at all. And they're not too min at all. They are just a piece. It is a piece of parchment. Clap. Right, you know what parchment is? The people used to write things on before they made it to paper. But the Sifrei Torah that we use, and for some people the Sifrei that we use when we read the Haftorah, are made of. Uh, they're written on parchment. Parchment is are made from the skins of animals. We use kosher animals, not non-kosher animals, right? Which is the way we are. And, uh, and you could write with ink on the parchment. And if you treat the parchment properly, right, it won't, uh, won't block. Like if you take a piece of, a lot of things, a piece of the skin of an animal, and you put some ink on it, it'll block. It's not good for writing. But if you treat it, uh, well, and you sort of put chalk on it, then uh, you can write uh, the, on the parchment. So, to Chazal, the Urim V'tumim, Urim is a plural word, and Tumim is a plural word. It sounds like two things, but Chazal said it was really only one piece of parchment. And on that piece of parchment was written the shame Hashem of Membet otiot. We'll see it in Rashi in a minute. Membet Forty-two. Forty-two. That there is a name of God that was known to the Kohen Do, which is written in forty-two letters. It was, this is about, if you like, assume that saying God's name is uh, itself a recognition of God, like if I say Elohim. So I'm saying not only, I'm only saying God but I'm saying some aspect of God which is knowable to me. That's why I can say, I'm a Or if I say it today, you can't say, Yud ke vav right? We can't say it. So we say something else. It's called, in uh, uh, the Jews call it a kre to Kre to You know, they're sometimes there are words that are k'tiv and kree. They're written one way and read another way, right? You know that? Mm-hmm. So so you know that yud Ke vav Ke is a to tamidhi Because if you look carefully at the way it's printed, not in the new Quran Tanakh, but before Quran in the good old days, they would print, uh, the printers would write yud key vav K, right, four letters, but they would vocalize it, dots, you know the dots? That's called vocalization. They would vocalize it as though it was Alef Daled Nun Yud. In other words, under the Yud would be a patach. Uh, next to the first hay would be a Cholam. And next to, under the vav, would be a Comas. Now those vocalization marks have nothing to do with Yud Kevadke. They have to do with, they have to do with Aleph Daled Nun Yud. I know this is a little bit technical, and as all technical things are, it is annoying, but it's important to understand, Fortnite said, that to say God's name means that you know something. It's like, uh, it's not something that the untutored can be involved with. So because of the Khurban Beit HaMikdash, we lost the ability to say God's name in full, not we, but even the Kohen lost the ability to say God's name in in full, the name of Menbet Otiyot, which today nobody really knows, but if you knew that, it would mean that you had some special privilege with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there be something special about your mention of God. Right, that's 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 how we we look at it, I think. So uh on this piece of parchment was written the name of Hu, right? And that name of Membes Otiot was inserted into was inserted into the Khoshin. The Khoshin was like a double like, like double like a well, I have a picture here, which I don't, uh... if you look at this picture, yeah, the picture, the picture tries, see, there's a front part and a back part to so the khoshen. So if you have a front and a back, so that creates a space, and in this space, they could put the two in the two. So I'll pass this around, you can just look at, you can look at the other pictures also, but they're all black and white. I have another picture another picture I feel like show and tell in public school but sometimes it's good I have here a uh, I have a picture of the Kohen fully dressed <coughs> but you can't really see where the Urim the Tumim are but it's a good picture I mean good you know is the called it, you What? The parchment itself is called the Lord something. Right. Which is a little strange, right? Why, why would it be called by two names and both of them plural? Well, there's only one, right. one piece of parchment? Okay. So anyway, here's a picture of the Choshen. Here's a picture of the Choshen. Right? And next to the picture of the Choshen, the page after that, the page after that, It's a picture of the Kohen Gadol wearing full battle dress. And you could take it, take a look, and pass it around. So now everybody has. Yeah. When the Kohen um, the, the cooking, he used the shame uh, of our uh, forty-two letters. For yeah, probably that. not. Probably Yud gave up. Only on Yom Kippur. And, and he's doing this. T- Only on Yom Kippur. Mm-hmm. Okay so this is uh, again pasuk solem But a tata of kosher mishpat that right when you are laid a roll the gold the sham right the put it on the heart or here on his heart when he comes before god binasa ro that mishpat the day you say holy bold with me has so that that word mishpat appears what is mishpat we know from other sources we know from other sources that the urim were used uh, in the following way: the kohen would ask a question with the urim ve with this parchment in the choshen mishpat, and he'd get an answer, and the answer would come from the uh, from the choshen, from this breastplate which had these stones in it, each stone representing a um, representing a tribe. So, the answer would come by the stones lighting up. So, Ruben, if the Ruben stone lit up, you know it was one of those letters the word, right? I mean, the messages were short, then so the Kohen knew how to figure it out, but basically he received the information uh, uh, in a divine manner. It was, had nothing to do with, uh, had nothing to do with uh, his capacity as a Kohen. Now, let's look at that, the Atherachie. Ethel ribe eto tumim, right? Eto ribe tumim. Who and This expressive name of God, forty-two letters, is what's written. no You put that into the folded-over part of the Choshen, right? Remember, Eifod Choshen on top of the Ephod is the Choshen. Pass it back let people look at it. Okay. Uh uh the it, it turns out.: it's yeah. Oh, it's already good. Bad. Okay. Dogha through the Choshen, God's word is lit up. It perfects somehow the message from God. the <laughs> the second temple. Haya a Khoshin Sehi Epsha La Kohenga Dol Yod Bisar Bigadin. Right? The Kohenga Dol, when he has to wear all eight all eight bigadin, he has to have all of that. He can't miss out. Right? Aval Oto Ashem Lohayabit. But that name, the name of God, was not in the folds of the Khosha. In other in other words, somehow they lost it. It's gone. But it didn't matter for the Avodat A The Kohe to continue to to serve as a Koheim because he had all the Bigadim. All the Bigadim that were necessary. So he says, uh k'tav Bukarui Mishpat, and therefore because it's it's got God's privator on it in the Torah, it's called Mishpat. Urim etatumim, right? the Torah, mishpat, mishpat equal to this case, Urim V'tumim. According to Rashi. The word Mishpat, I mean, that's it. Rashi said it, that probably Rashi is right, but you have to sort of think on it. How does Mishpat equal Urim V'tumim equal what, whatever it is we're talking about. Whatever is we're talking about here. Sheneh mar. In other words, in what? So if they had to had some doubt about whether they should go to war or whether they should raise taxes. They could go to the Kohen Gadol and he could ask the question and he could find out. It's kind of, as we will see, we'll see it's kind of a prophetic role. Right? The Nabi. You would think you would go to a Nabi to find out what God's position is on a certain matter. I mean, you wouldn't go to the Kohen. The Kohen had a different job. And here, in some odd way, in some odd way, the Kohen is in charge of Mishpat. And Rashi explains that what Mishpat is, is information. It's finding out something about our obligation of the moment. What are we to do? Are we to go to war or not to go to war? Right? That's the, That was the question that you asked the Uribe to live, the question that's, that, that even appears in, uh, in the book of Shmuel. And, uh, okay, <laughs> so now I want to look at the Ramban. You see the Ramban? Ramban, 13th century. But a tata al-kosha da mishpat et Uribe to live, so that he, he quotes he quotes Rabbi Abraham the Ibn Ezra. I don't want to get uh, get into that. So let's skip to the sixth line. Below clue. That's a good way to say <laughs> <laughs> right, This is sort of uh, you know, like the Ramban didn't think that he would waste a lot of time rejecting the Ibn Ezra at this point. So his rejection is short and bittersweet. Below Ma'klum. I will to do very Russian. I do with Russian because that's shame on the Torah. My tongue bit it like what wrote the, the shame on the Torah. Somebody wrote the shame on the Torah and stuck it into the stuck it into the cushion. Uh they get fair, you the cactus, lead to pool and that's why the cushion was doubled over because you know, it's like, uh, there's no, no reason to double it over if it's just a breastplate. But if you're going to put something in it, then of course it has to be uh, doubled over. He says, it's obvious. If you look in the parashat today, our parashat, all of the big day kahuna are made, are mentioned by the They're made by these artisans, right? They brought in these artisans to make the big day kahuna, but no mention of the Urim, of the Urim of Tumim. Right? There you have it. The Rabbah has a clear-cut proof. It says, in the parasha of Kudei, which is the parasha that tells us that they did it. Not just that Moshe Rabbeinu commanded it, but that they actually did it. So what did they do? Well, they did the Eifot, and they did the Choshen, but they did not do the Urim, the Tumim. Because the Urim, the Tumim, as the Ramban points out, were not part of Big day Kuhuna. And therefore, in Bayit Shemim, in bayat shenih, when there were no Urim, the Tumim, by the Urim, the Turim disappeared. It didn't matter as far as the Avodah in the Beit mean, Hamidrash was concerned. It didn't matter that you continue to do the Avodah anyway. I'm on the first line, <coughs> first wide line. Now, if, if there was some, some kind of cleverness or an artist that had to make the Urim the two certainly the Torah would have mentioned it. It's like, it would be a big deal. So the the, the Rabban is is defending his position that Urim are really not part of the Avodat HaKohen HaGadol. And therefore, you don't have to have them. And this is indicated, according to him, in the in the parasha of Pekudei itself, the uh, O oh, of the second wide line. You see, that we showed him. We showed like grammar. It's only we don't like grammar, but they they loved it. Whatever they could get a grammatical proof of something, they went for it. So what does he say there, the Ramban? He says, he says... It's a there Kilo is here, the third line, the third wide line. Beheye <todic noise> yidiyah. There's no definitive article. E. Echad. Bekola kevei shalom yishiru kvan. Avolamar vasu aron. In other words, in the parashah of Vayyake or since we already know about the aron, it doesn't say ha-aron. <todic noise> it just says aron doesn't say, with big day kuhuna, ha, khoshen. Because we know about the khoshen, so it says, let's the that's, this is the Ramban's, you know, own theory, and he may be right, but this is his theory about, about grammar, that like you don't write a definitive article before something that you know about. Because you know what it's the, you don't have to say the, I right. wrote. Like, these little words, I mean, if you've never come across them in practice, are very, very difficult to understand. Right? So you know that the Torah begins, what's the next word? So if you ask, what does et mean? What does the word et mean? So the answer that you get in high school would be, well, maybe not in high school. I, I take that back for reconsideration. But the answer that you might get at some stage of educational development, it's it's a definite article marker. You know what a definite article marker is? It's a complicated way of saying, I don't know. (laughs) That's what it is. And if they ask you that question on the test, say, I don't know. Because that's the correct answer. But now, if you would then say, if you then say, what difference is there? between the Pasuk as it is written etta Shama et aretz, and another Pasuk. You would be very hard put to distinguish them. And therefore the little words, those little words that come and go are very, very difficult, are very, very difficult to get a right? handle on it. Exactly. What is it? What is that et so you know what a chazal say? What does in way? Et because Shiva ha-shamayim, hashamayim. Meaning that, what, is, what does that mean? That not only Shamayim was created, but all the stuff in the heavens. Like when you look up the heavens, you see stuff. So that was also created with the heavens. When you look at the earth, right, the Aretz, you, know, you see all kinds of things that are there that are not specifically mentioned in creation, but they're all created. They're all there. That's what Et means. But, it's very hard to prove that that's what the word et means in any case. You know, whenever you look at the word et, right. ed to you have luck to, to add something. It's very hard to prove that. So, I'm going back to the Hey <laughs> I'm going to skip a little bit. We'll skip a little bit and go to the next paragraph. Right? It's, um, I it said the 10th one, 3, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10... 10, 10, 10, 10, 10 the eleventh <coughs> line, eleventh white line. V'hineh ineh Moshe l'katz tavu uriv tumim v'nichan sham b'choshen shpat. Achar she hilbishet Aaron, I thought b'choshen again. After Moshe Rabbeinu dressed Aaron and he put on the ephod and then the choshen, he put the uriv tumim into that into that space in the choshen. K'moshe uh, Amar. Etc., etc. So, this is the Ramban. The Ramban says that uh, the Ramban agrees with Rashi, basically, but neither Rashi nor the Ramban explain to us why it was Urib the Tumim and why it was that the Urib the Tumim are given over to the Kohen Gadol. What does the Kohen Gadol have to do? with the uh, two men. I mean, it's very nice to have a way of addressing your question to God. But why, I mean, what is the, the, the specific connection between asking the question and the Kohen Gadon and the Abodat Kohen Gadon and the Big Day Kuna and all of these things. So if you turn the page, if you turn the page, do so you see? you see? There's a Patsuk in Shemot. In the beginning of Shemot, the Patsuk in Shemot, And that prophet says this way, Moshe. Remember, you remember, that God wanted to send Moshe Rabbeinu to save the Jews and take them right in the tribe? and Moshe Rabbeinu demurred. He didn't like the idea. And one of the things he said, one of the things he said was, I can't speak. Surely you could find somebody who could make a better presentation to Pharaoh than I could. <coughs> Moshe Rabbeinu. The response from heaven is this pasuk. Vayichar af Hashem Vayichar af. Af is anger. Right? That God was angry with Moshe Rabbeinu. That sounds bad to me. by Hello, Aaron, Yadati, daber, hu. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu informs Moshe Rabbeinu that he, Moshe Rabbeinu, will have also a sholiach. That Moshe is God's emissary. And Moshe Rabbeinu, he has his emissary, who can speak very well. And his name is Aaron, And he happens to be your brother, Aaron Halevi. Ki daber, that's another kind of crux in Hebrew, right? In, in, in Hebrew today they call it lashon nofer al It means I'm using two words instead of one. It happens all the time. All the time in the Tanakh. All the time. And, uh, and generally, if, you, if you're in a class and you ask the teacher, what does that mean? The teacher will always say, emphasis. Emphasis. You know what emphasis means? No. Uh, very good. Very good. It means I don't know. I don't think emphasis is a better answer than I don't know. I like I don't know. Because anyway, it's, uh, it's optimistic that there's something left to learn. You know, that the Torah says that the Jews should not come close to Har Sinai when HaKadosh Baruch was dwelling there. And it says, Remember those words, sakol yisakel? Now, what do they mean? To be stoned emphatically, as opposed to being stoned pleasantly? Is that what you think? No. So, we, so, so there are things about Hebrew grammar that we would like to know, but we don't know them yet. So. You're looking for something surely, to do? Like what? Like. He shall surely be. So. Surely, that's a good word. Surely. <laughs> verily. Yeah. Verily. They like that also. Because it shows, even though I don't know the answer to your question, I know something else. Right? Which is always a good way to teach. So, listen to what the Pasuk says. Ki dabe hu, you'd say, l'kratchan. Here comes Aaron. Here he comes! he will see you, and he will have. There will be joy in his heart. Aaron will be joyous because he sees you. Moshe Rabbeinu, Rashi, Maichaat, Rabbi Yoshua bin Karcho Omer called Charon Abshebatorah and Marbo Rosh. Every time God is angry. There is some kind of result. A Rosham is an impression. But God doesn't just get angry and go into a corner. But God gets angry. It means something. He says, Here, there is no implication to the divine, to divine anger. And we have not found. Here Rosham says, God is angry. Aaron, what? Well, nothing happened. What happened to Moshe Rabbeinu? What? What was the result of God's anger? Amar Lo Rabbi Yosi, Afazodem Avarosh. Rabbi Yossi disagrees that there is an implication. Aaron, Aaron, Achicha Levi, Shai Ayatid Liyot Levi, VeLo Did you see what the Torah says? The Torah says that Aaron, <speaking in> Achicha. <Hebrew> Halevi, that <coughs> Aaron was destined at this time to become just a lady, one of the tribe of Levi. but because of what happened, <coughs> and you Moshe Abenu, you were going to be the kohen, just as Moshe Abeinu was the kohen. For the Yemei Milu'in, when they took down the Mishkan, put up the Mishkan, Moshe Rabbeinu was the kohen Aaron didn't become the Kohen until the last day, when he assumed the Kohuna given over to him from Moshe Rabbeinu. This is not going to be he Aaron is going to be the Kohen, and you Moshe Rabbeinu is going to be. Halevi, right? So there's a machloket. Whether the haron of the anger expressed by God, has an implication or doesn't have an implication. Rabbi Shub and Karka say no implications, nothing happened. Moshe Rabbeinu just continues. But Rabbi Yossi says an interesting thing. And he says that Aaron Halevi was given the kahuna. And that Kuhuna was taken away from Moshe Rabbeinu, who became a lady. He became one of the what are the Levine. Okay, Rashi. Now let's look at the Ramban. <coughs> the Ramban says, <laughs> God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, "I know. I'm perfectly certain." <laughs> He'll speak on your behalf because he wants, he's, he loves you. Moshe Rabbeinu. And he would do it even if I hadn't commanded him to do it. Here he comes. Here comes Aaron. He, I didn't tell him to come. I didn't give him a time. But he sees or he heard that you're coming. He comes out. He will not, uh, uh, he will not uh, be jealous of you, even though you're to Take the Jews out of the tribe. But he was supported. But there's another person that he tells. Aaron. God tells Aaron to go out to the desert. Okay. So in other words, Aaron is a great guy. He expresses his love for his brother Moshe by going out even when he wasn't commanded to go and meet him, and speaking on his behalf, and the Ramban says he would surely have done it even if HaKadosh Baruch hadn't mentioned it to him. And so Aaron here comes out comes out to be a person of very special qualities, very special qualities, and uh, and Moshe Rabbeinu is some kind of a a chick in his arm almost, something that's not quite perfect about the way Moshe Rabbeinu is. So we have these two, like, foci. We're looking at two things. We're looking at Urim de Aaron and a We don't understand what Urim two men has to do with being a Kohain, Right? They should have been someplace else and not in the Choshin, in the folds of the Choshin. The second thing that we learned was that in the relationship between Moshe Abenu and Aro, there's a moment... In which Aaron, the midot, the, the, the human qualities of Aaron, take precedence over the, the qualities of Moshe, even of Moshe Abe. Now, this is all put together, in my opinion, this is all put together in the Jerashot Aran. Aran uh, was a great, uh, uh, a great Talmudist. A great Talmudist. He wrote uh, a very extensive commentary on the Ritz. Plus, Chidushim, he called on, on the Massektot, daf et daf, on many, on many Maseftot, very clear, very interesting, very important, uh, very comprehensive, I mean, he knew the material, uh, very, very well. And he wrote a book of Drashot, which is really a kind of a commentary on the Chumash, which is printed, which is printed and called Drashot Aram. It's very, uh, very easily available. I mean, uh, uh, people do learn it from time to time. So there in the in the Rishi, in the Jerusalem Rishi is, is about the Parashiyot leading up to uh, Matan Torah. You now the, the Ran says something that's very interesting. You see the Jerusalem Um Up there, on the first line. and calls there the Moshe had difficulty in going to Paro because he was, uh, he, he found, his speech was impaired. Aralsvatai. Natan Lo Hashem Yparachelav Levetu Geman Aharon Vehime Yot Aharon as a Rashi so the, the Ran, I'm sorry summarizing what we learned that even though Moshe he was older than Moshe Abenu and he became a prophet before Moshe Abenu, nevertheless he was not jealous he was not jealous of him uh, and so the Chachonim has already taught us that Aaron received a lot of uh, a lot of reward for this quality that he displayed. Oba oh, the Parish Abu you know, it's one of the latter Prakir in the second Shabbat, he says, uh, the Toled Mamma of Simlai, the Scha, the that we go, this postulat that we just learned, Sachalehoshad Amishpat Amifon, further clarification, which is not in the Rashi that according to Rabbi what was the what was it that, that Aaron A Cohen received? According to Rashi, it quotes a dipping Gemara which says that Aaron A received received the Kuhuna. Right? But this Gemara, this Gemara and Shabbat, it says that Aaron Akohen received Khalshin Mishpat Alibo. Now we know what is the Khalshir Mishpat? It's the Urim bet Because the word Mishpat, the word Mishpat only applies to the Urim bet being there. Otherwise there's no Mishpat. Otherwise there's no Mishpat. So, so Rabbi Yossi is saying that Aaron, are to, reward. Aaron are to reward was the Urim bet He and Rabbi and the fourth light. V'zei ha'ma'ma'tarich be'or. The Rang says, Madun, G'reisei ha'gimu l'Aaron al-tub li'varvo ve'levuat Moshe me kama ma'alot sh'ayu l'Aaron m'itzad kehunato. Why did he say that? Why did he say that what Aaron HaKohim was rewarded with was the Choshim Mishpat? Aaron HaKohim, he became the Kohen Gadot. That's not, not good enough. He did the Avodat does every day? The service in the temple. He went into the Kodesh Kodashim on Yom That's enough. I mean, that's a lot of good things. What is Cholchin Mishpat? What is he talking about Cholchin Mishpat for? Had The Rab sex. listen carefully. He says it's a principle. In, in Torah theology, that God acts mida kinegit mida. midan. mida kinegit mida let's uh, try to uh, translate it, a measure for a measure. There's some kind of correlation between reward for doing good things and punishment when you do bad things. What does that mean? The reward, if you did something, if you saved the 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 Jewish people from the affliction of water, so the reward would be something about water. If you did something bad to people that was connected to uh, getting them to do an Abeira, so somehow, somehow the punishment would come in the same way. There would be some similarity between the reward and and the the merit and the uh, punishment. And the transgression. There would be some kind of, 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 of connection. So he says, He says, This is done in order that people would recognize that God is involved with and concerned about the world. He says, he says if you did a good thing, but the reward was totally unconnected to the good thing that you did let's say you know you you, uh, you did a good thing you you helped people do mitzvot, you, you you were kind to the poor, whatever and then and then you you won uh, uh, money in a lottery, so people wouldn't see the hand of God necessarily. Right? They would say, oh a statistical inference, and this happens once in X number of times. There's no connection. That's what people say about. It's hard to say that there's no connection between what what God gives you or God takes away from you and the and the mitzvah that you did or the transgression that you that you are with. So that's called Ya Rogabu the or People will say it's science. It's the almanac, you know. I believe to say, "Oh, there's a there's an eclipse of the sun, eclipse of the moon." You know, they got very excited today. You look it up in the almanac, you know, for the next two thousand years, so you get a little excited, less excited. Right? So he says uh, that. Uh, so, so, so that's what that's what he says. So that is lachen. Yehazuzo zehagmul. I'm on line 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Line 10. Fourth word. He says, Aaron did something that was even greater than being a Kohen gadol. We have to know that what he received came from what he did. It was parallel to what he did. That what was it that Aaron received in the Chosheh? He received the Urim Betumen. What did the Urim Betumen do for Am Yisrael? They they prophesied. They told him what was going to be, what would be in the in the future. And this was not really, really what Aaron should have received at all. Everybody knows. That there is an institution in Am Yisrael called prophet. And the prophet is the one who deals with the future. What is going to be? You go to the prophet to ask him. You don't go to the Kohei to ask him. He says, It doesn't make any sense that Aaron should become the one who is telling the future. It has nothing to do with the service in the temple. I mean, that's the Kohen. The Kohen does the service in the temple. He doesn't declaim anything about the future. That's not the way, that's not the way he does it. He says, Ki lo So similarly, the Navi tells the future. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, talk about uh, about avodah, about what to do with the Beit Hamikdash. Perhaps you would say <coughs> she so, it's as if you'll say that it's all connected to the Choshen and therefore Aaron uh, uh, got, got the, this uh, future-telling job. He said, This is wrong. It's not the Choshen that tells the future. אבל מצד האורים בטומים, שהיו בנקפליו, שלא היו בכלל הבגדים. רמב'ן, זאת אומרת מה רמב'ן? יצא אורים בטומים, לא היו בכלל הבגדים בכלל. שהארך, בבית שני, לא היו אורים בטומים. ועל כל, ועל כל זאת, היה כהן גדול משמש בשמונה Okay, so I'm stopping here... and I just want to try to summarize. According to the... according to the Drashot according to the Drashot unlike Rashi... Rashi said that... that... Uh, that Aaron became the Kohen Gadot... he started out as the Levi... he became the Kohen Gadot... because he was willing... he was willing to accept the position of being second to Moshe Rabbein. And therefore his, his reward, Midak and Eged Midak, that he ended up at least, in terms of the kuhuna, he ended up on top of Moshe Rabbein, better than him, more than him, because he, of the that, v'samach, v'samach libo, that the simcha of Aaron was the simcha of doing what God wanted of him. And that took precedence over his personal inclinations. He was the older brother. He was a prophet earlier than Moshe Rabbeinu, etc. But the Ra'an takes it a step further. And he says that that the reward of Aaron was not just that he became the Kohen and that Moshe Rabbeinu reverted back to being a Levi, because that was an unsettled matter. And, and we didn't know who was going to be the Kohen and who was going to be the Levi. But there is another aspect which the Ram, the Ram says helps us to understand what the Urim Batumin were. Because everybody would agree that the Urim Batumin were about prophecy, about telling the future. And nobody thinks that the job of the Kohen is to tell the future. The job of the Kohen is to make sure that the Avodah, that the service of the Beit HaMikdash, is properly executed. Right? Properly executed. And, and, and nothing to do with Nebuah. I mean, Kohen at all doesn't have to, have to do uh, anything to do with, uh, with Nebuah. So we say, in this case, the Ram... What the Rad means to tell us is that not only was Aaron Cohen rewarded, but he was rewarded midah ki neged midah. How so? He was beyond human expectation. You wouldn't expect a person to say, okay, Moshe Rabbeinu, whatever he says, whatever he does, he has priority. No one would say that. No one would say that only only somebody who is very special. And so in order to prove, in order to prove that Aaron HaKohid had some human quality that set him apart, even from Moshe Rabbeinu, it had to be something that was not connected to the Avodah, according to the Rite. It couldn't be connected to the Avodah. The Avodah is a package. Whoever becomes the Kohen, he gets the package. And there's no reason to think that that, that Aaron should not have been the Kohen, but should have. We don't know anything about that. But what we do know is that the Urim, the are extra. They're not part of, they're not part of the original clan. It's as though Aaron, the Kohen created something that only existed because of him. That is a Mido Kenevid, Mido Party. We understand. It's as though Akkadi's says. said, we didn't really need these Urim bitumen, but Aaron HaKohen, having done what Aaron HaKohen did, now we'll have, we'll have the Urim bitumen. The proof that you don't need the Urim Vitumim, of course, is Rabbi Cheney. They didn't have Urim Batumim. but in spite of the fact that they didn't have Urim Batumim, in spite of the fact that they continued the Avodah and the Beit HaMidash. But when Aaron HaKohen got dressed up, he wasn't just Aaron HaKohen. He was the more significant prophet, more significant apparently even than than Moshe Rabbeinu, because even though Moshe Rabbeinu gave us the Torah, that was something uh, that was never that that could never be duplicated. Nevertheless, on some personal human level, Aaron called represented qualities that were so unique and so important that the Urim the Tumen were created. For Aram HaKohi. They were his. They were his Urim Betun. They had nothing to do with the Abodah and the Beit HaMikdash and they had nothing to do with the Big Day Kuhuna. Right? As, as the Ramban proves in two places, as the Ramban, and the Ran, the Rashot agrees. So sometimes you see, Chazal was sensitive to the, to the sum total of the problem. Right, it's true. We don't know exactly what the words mean, and it's true we don't know why they're plural and not singular, and it's true that they don't seem to have anything to do with the way Hazala resolved it—that it's a piece of parchment with God's name on it. All of that, all of that is true, and yet, and yet, there's this lesson that we derive—that it's possible for a person to achieve like unbounded results in his own human enterprise with his own qualities able to be coveted, at chose able to subdue his inclination for honour and and, and and prestige of one kind or another. It's possible. And Aaron Akohen did it and because he did it, he actually rewrote Big Day Right? The Big Day were written in the image of Aaron Akohen. And they were written so that the Urim, the two men would be Included. So, have a good shot.